Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography and the Apple ecosystem. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. This episode is sponsored by Take Control Books, ebooks by expert authors you know on tech topics you care about. Thanks for joining us again here at Photoactive. This is episode number nine. And today we're going to talk about something that I think every photographer should know about. Instagram. Instagram. When I say that word Instagram, Jeff, what do you think of? I think of something that I either ignore or spend too much time on. I can never just go and spend, you know, five minutes looking at it or two minutes looking at. That's the secret of the endless scroll. Ah, the endless scroll. It was invented to keep people scrolling rather than going to a new page. When when you get to the end of a page, you you have a pause, you have a break. You can stop, but with the endless scroll, you can never stop. You can just keep flipping up and up and up and up. No, and no, forever. no. I can quit anytime I want. I have full control over my. Um, hang on, I got to look at a few more of these. Yeah. Are we recording? Yeah. 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 You got to check your notifications <laughs> there and all that. So I, I wanted to talk about Instagram because it is a very useful tool for photographers. But first, to me, there are three Instagrams. The first and the most important is clearly the Instagram of cat photos. <laughs> you can get photos of random cats, of specific breeds, of kittens. You can get videos of kittens. This is what fuels the internet, cat photos. Don't you agree? I will objectively agree, although I think it's a little bit much. <laughs> the second Instagram is the one that you hear about a lot more in the general news. And this is the Instagram of food and fashion and selfies and body image and bikini babes and guys with six-pack abs and all of that. And what's interesting is that this Instagram, there there's sort of walls between the different Instagrams. You can use Instagram without seeing the cats. You can use Instagram without seeing the selfies and the fashion shots. And so for me, the third Instagram is the Instagram of photographers. And I don't just mean amateurs like us, but I mean professional photographers, people who are well-known photographers or photography magazines or photography agencies like Magnum Photo. One of the things about that particular point that I've always liked about Instagram is, you know, in addition to the cat photos and, and, and the photographers, it's nice that Instagram for a lot of photographers is either, you know, let's, let's show all of my good works. This is my sort of portable portfolio. But you also get a really good sense of Instagram being used as what photographers shoot every day. Like the things that don't necessarily show up on their portfolio, but catches their eye or gives you a glimpse into what their everyday life is like, or even behind the scenes of a photo shoot, those kind of images, which is one of the reasons that I like Instagram versus, say, Flickr or a portfolio site. Right. You can use Instagram as a sort of a sketchbook. You can upload something to Instagram knowing that it may not be your best photograph, but just something that you want to share for a number of reasons. Cat photos are one example, or, you know, occasionally there's a nice sunset or something. And I don't really care about sunset photos, but it is nice to record a sunset sometimes. Well, and also it's it's recording a, a thought or a feeling that you had. I like the fact that Instagram, and uh, I'm sure some people might disagree, but but Instagram doesn't have that sense of you need to post something that is your 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 best self. There is less 
pressure to perform on Instagram. And I say that with a big asterisk because a lot of the things that you mentioned, a lot of the, the selfies and people who do personal branding, actually there's, there's more pressure to perform. But I think for photographers, you don't have to get really anxious about, oh, am I putting my best shot forward? Because Instagram is a little more casual in that way. Right. It's fair to say that that second Instagram, and when I said there were three Instagrams, that was really simplifying. There are many more mm -hmm. types of Instagram. There's probably sports Instagram, and there's probably, oh, yeah. I don't know, hiking Instagram. And, you know, there, there are, you, you can segregate it into a lot of different types of photos. But that Instagram of selfies and fashion and body images is pretty toxic. A lot of people have written about how detrimental it is because you're looking at photos of someone else's perfect life, even though all you're seeing is the moment of the photo and you're not seeing the mess around them behind the camera. And you're measuring yourself against them. This is particularly the case for teenagers and particularly young women who, who go through a lot of pressure on here trying to keep up with their Instagram idols. Whereas when I see a photograph by, I don't know, Joel Meyerowitz or Michael Kenna or one of my favorite photographers on Instagram, I don't feel that I have to go out and make a photo as good as them. And I don't feel inferior because my photos aren't as good as them. Yeah, I would completely agree. What's nice is there is a huge variety of different shots. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of a woman whose handle is Rue Romer. We'll have links in the show notes for all of these Instagram accounts that we mentioned. All of her shots are very definitely staged. Like like her thing is she she uh, has some sort of like dramatic red element, usually a dress or a hat, and she puts herself into scenes that are, you know, wonderful landscapes or you know, waterfalls and, and all that. And so, like, this is her artistic vision, I, I suppose. And so those shots are very well composed. She takes them herself. She's in them. And so you don't actually have a lot of that, that, that sort of scratch aspect of it. That's just one example. And Instagram hits that Twitter itch of getting an insight into somebody's normal life without, you know, having like a handler or a gloss or a sheen. And those are the, the accounts that I tend to gravitate toward. So Instagram is a very strange app. It works on the iPhone. There's no iPad app. It works on Android as well, but there are no tablet apps. Now you can, of course, use Instagram from a web browser, but the functionality is a, is a lot different. So if I look on my iPhone, I see photos that fill the whole width of of the screen. But if I look in the browser on my iPad and then I tap a photo, it's just a tiny photo comes up instead of something that's filling the display. So it's not really well optimized for the iPad. And I don't know why they've limited it to the phone. I'm currently looking at Instagram and Safari on my Mac. Now, in that case, the pictures are a lot bigger. And here's a trick. If you want to use Instagram regularly and you do it on a computer, you can use an ad blocker and you don't see the ads that come up because you get an ad roughly every three photos, you get an ad. So it's three photos, ad, three photos, ad, three photos, ad. And the problem is that a lot of these ads are autoplay videos. So they're really distracting. They're meant to catch your eye. Surprisingly, I think I've clicked on one ad on Facebook since I've been using Facebook. And it's actually the WordPress theme that I use on my main website. Because I've been looking for a theme and this thing came up and I said, you know what? I'm going to click that and see. And I bought this theme. I've clicked or tapped on a lot more ads on Instagram for some reason. I don't know why. They're not specific to camera things. I tend to follow on Instagram a number of brands, camera brands, photo book publishers, book publishers, record labels, etc. Not just photographers. 
And that probably influences the type of ads I see. What about you? I'm mostly just following photographers, people I know, not so much brands. I mean, you know, maybe a few musical artists, that sort of thing. What I find interesting about that, and I know this is going to be counterintuitive, for some reason, I don't mind the ads in the Instagram app as much, even though, like you said, they are autoplaying video, which I, I hate, and yet there's something about the design of them, possibly because I'm usually viewing this on my iPhone, and it is easy enough to just swipe on by. It's not like a web page where suddenly a quarter of the screen is blinking and animating and, and demanding your attention. And also, you're not trying to read text on Instagram, whereas on a web page you are, so the ads will distract you more. And also, at least for now, and you know, fingers crossed, all the ads are muted by default. So you know, that makes a huge difference. If some recent movie has come out and there's a little clip from it, like that's, that's fine. And it's easy enough to, to swipe back through. So one thing that's good about Instagram is when you look up someone or you follow someone, you can go to their page and you can see their portfolio is not the best word, but you can see everything they've posted. It gives you a quick overview of the type of photography that someone does. For instance, if someone's doing a lot of portrait photography, you'll see very quickly that there's a lot of headshots. If someone's doing black and white, you'll see that there's no color. And when you look at someone's work, you can get an idea relatively quickly. You can scan it and then, you know, you tap or click one or two of the images to see them more closely. But I find that this is also a good way to present your work. We have links to our Instagram accounts in the show notes, and you'll see the kind of things that we put up there. I tend to put real photos. In other words, not too often photos of something that I've been doing. I did put a photo about two weeks ago, I was sitting outside and playing my shakuhachi. So I put a photo of my shakuhachi on the sheet music on a table. I think I had a photo of a, a picture of Pims sometime earlier this summer. Do you know what Pims is? It's a drink? It's a British drink and you buy this thing that's called okay, good. <laughs> Pims. It's gin-based. And then you add strawberries and blueberries and raspberries and lemonade and ice cubes. And it's like the perfect British summer drink. So every once in a while, I, I put a photo like that up, but that's not really what I use my Instagram account for. This is going to come as a giant surprise, but I tend to take lots of pictures of coffee because I drink coffee and it's actually sort of silly because you're like, okay, how many times can I take a picture of a latte or something like that? But usually when I do it, it's also conveying a mood. It's, you know, like, like I am out and about and this is a day that I'm going to be writing. And so, you know, here's my coffee and my laptop. It conveys a sense of here's what I'm up to, which I think is something that something like well, Facebook to some extent, but, you know, Facebook is sort of a, a pit of despair. But, you know, uh, Twitter doesn't convey that as much because, you know, you can say, hey, I'm in a coffee shop and I'm hanging out and I've got a lot of writing to do today and this is my freelance life. And, you know, that that's fine, but it also gets lost in the the wave of Twitter. But just to be able to, you know, post something that sort of shows where I am or, you know, maybe there's like just really good light on this coffee this morning. And it's almost a way of saying like, hey, this is what I'm up to. And 
I should also say, and I, I'm going to bounce this back to you, I don't have a huge number of followers. So I also have that sense of, you know, like I kind of know who my audience is. I have 584 followers. So it's not like I'm, you know, broadcasting to thousands of people. Maybe after this podcast, hint, hint, listeners, I'll have more followers. What about you, Kirk? Well, I only have 237 followers. So I think the listeners should, should follow me to help me catch up to Jeff. And we should turn this into like a... <laughs> Uh, a sort of a race here. We'll do a, a check every week. I don't really care that much. I'm more interested in following people or other accounts. So for instance, right now, I'm seeing a National Geographic photo of a newborn giant panda cub Aww. in a scale being weighed. It has 1 million likes. And it's like, who doesn't <laughs> want to see a photo of a giant panda cub? I mean, seriously, when you look at the pit of despair of Facebook or the miasma of hatred of Twitter, and then you come here and you can get cats and giant panda cubs. You know, which would you rather have? That brings me to another question. Do you use hashtags to, to find cats and stuff? Yes, I do. I have two British short hairs. So I follow the British short hair hashtag. Now, there's something like two million British short hair photos. But the way the Instagram algorithm works, it doesn't show you all of them. It shows probably the most popular ones or first ones from people you know or things like that. There are a number of hashtags that I follow. So... Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about how to find good accounts to follow on Instagram. The Photoactive Podcast is brought to you by Take Control Books, ebooks by expert authors you know on tech topics you care about. Take Control publishes books about Apple hardware and software, including books by Jeff and me. Take Control Books help you understand your Mac or iOS device, focusing on topics such as keeping your devices working well, privacy, security, and how to use popular Apple and third-party apps. Take Control books are published like software. We offer free bug fixes and minor updates and discounted upgrades to new editions. Some Take Control books that might interest you include Jeff's Take Control of Your Digital Photos and Take Control of Lightroom CC, Jason Snell's Photos, a Take Control Crash Course, and I've written Take Control books about iTunes, Scrivener, Launch Bar, and Audio Hijack. We have a special offer for photoactive listeners. You can get 30% off any book using the coupon code PHOTOACTIVE. Go to TakeControlBooks.com slash PHOTOACTIVE, that's PHOTOACTIVE in one word, and you'll get the discount automatically. Take Control Books, ebooks by expert authors you know on tech topics you care about. So the key to using Instagram is to find who to follow. After you follow Jeff and myself, who else are you going to follow on Instagram? Well, you could follow National Geographic. You could follow Magnum Photos. You could follow your camera brand. In fact, it, it's actually useful to follow your camera brand because let, let's say you use Nikon or Canon or Fuji or whatever. You may see Instagram posts from them talking about sales on lenses or camera bodies that might interest you. It's also good to follow your followers. So go to my account, go to, to Kirk's account and see who we're following because that I find is one of the best ways to find other interesting accounts. Right. If you like a photographer, you want to know who they like and then you want to know who the accounts that they like like and it's likes all the way down, isn't it? <laughs> and then an hour later, you're like, wait, yes. wait. Well, <laughs> see, that's part of the problem. But you're consuming photography, so that's an hour well spent, I say. Well, exactly. So it depends on what you want. Maybe you like landscape photography. So if you go to the search section where the little magnifying glass is and type landscape, you'll see a number of hashtags that come up. And if you tap one or click one, you'll see a bunch of photos with that hashtag. There's a little follow button, and, and it's only recently that you can follow hashtags before it used to only be accounts. 
Follow one of those hashtags, and then you'll start to see some photographers whose work stands out. When you see a photo you like, tap on the avatar of that person to look at their account and to see what else they have. And that's how you find the photographers that are worth following. Another thing to look for is, I guess they're called curated accounts. They're often sort of virtual magazines. So for instance, there's one that has, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of followers that I'm seeing here called Somewhere Magazine. And what these accounts do is they publish other people's photos. And of course, they credit people in the post by putting their at username. And each one has a tone. So Somewhere Magazine is sort of modern artsy stuff. Feature shoot is a similar type of thing, maybe a lot of portraits. Hour.magazine is another one that has often the sort of offbeat photos like William Eggleston or Stephen Shore. And then there are tons of black and white accounts that I follow because I really like black and white photography. Again, we're going to put some links into the show notes, but do, do check who we're following to get a better idea. Probably half the accounts I follow are curating accounts as opposed to individual people, because I find that's a really good way to see a wide variety of shots. Now, again, just as when you go to a specific photographer's account to see what they do, it's the same with these curated accounts. They've got a tone, they've got a flavor. So you'll quickly see if it's something that you care about. You know, it's like finding a good playlist on a music streaming service. I mentioned camera brands. So here's Fujifilm Global that comes up. And they're always posting interesting photos by people who shoot with Fuji cameras. So when you take a good picture with your Fujifilm camera, you might want to get noticed. And what you can do is you can tag other accounts. What you do is the little hash sign and then the name of an account. Or you can use certain tags like I'll tag the camera that I've used, whether it's the Fuji X100F or the Fuji X-Pro2. I'll tag some of these curating accounts because you want people to find your photos, to share them, and get more followers. Now, I am not interested in this chase for followers. That's not what's really important. I'm more interested in seeing, but it is interesting to get feedback from other people. Adding hashtags, I found, if you go back to our second episode when we were talking about keywords, Instagram is sort of a keyword engine because I found that by adding a bunch of keywords that that either describe the image or are related to the image, I will often get more engagement because people, again, who are you know looking up these hashtags, looking up these topics, will then come and see what I have. And so, strangely enough, adding hashtags seems to be one of the only good ways to reliably boost followers. And it's not going to be the case where you're going to you know suddenly have like a thousand people show up, but by sort of expanding that net of, of, of terms, you're going to bring more people in and then get more engagement. It's not going to put you at that level where suddenly you are a, now I'm sorry to even say this, but an Instagram influencer. That's kind of another thing, which I think is worth mentioning just because like there are people who are on Instagram, they have enough followers that companies companies pay for them to go travel someplace or they give them gear and if that's your goal we can't tell you how to do that because no one gives us gear or pays for us to travel anywhere (laughs) it's true it's true and and actually to be quite honest 
if that's your goal, I think that would have been a really good goal in the early days of Instagram. I was at a, at a photo show in Las Vegas earlier this year, and there was a guy on stage, and he was talking about Instagram and how, how great it is and how it's good for getting your brand out and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And then he sort of dropped the bomb that was like, you know, when Instagram first came out, I saw its potential, and I signed up right, right away. And I was like, ah, that's the reason why you have hundreds of thousands, because you were there first doing it. Trying to get to that point now is not impossible, but it is so much harder. I will say I would love to have enough followers that a company like Fuji or somebody would give me stuff and I would, you know, test it or, or whatever. But come on, let's be realistic. <laughs> That's not my main goal. Well, there are people who will explain the strategy kind of like search engine optimization that you have to post at certain times and a certain number of photos per day, but not too many. Yeah, yeah. You can use up to 32 hashtags. So apparently it's good to use 32 oh. um, as opposed to two or three. But if your goal is to become a photographer who's making money from this sort of thing, then by all means, go go for it. But I don't think if that's your goal, you're listening to this podcast. So. <laughs> well, and, you know, it's probably worth mentioning. And uh, we have a little little bit of a, a conflict here in that if you are a photographer, you should have an Instagram account just because you want people to see what you're doing, especially if you're doing this in any way that's going to be part of your living or side income. Like, like you need that presence because people are going to you know want to go and check you out. I said conflict because we don't yet have an Instagram account for our podcast <laughs> because you would think that 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 would be actually I think we have one, but we're not using it. Well, I'm going to let you take care of that, Jeff, if you want to <laughs> get that off the ground and, and give me the necessary credentials and we can decide if we want to post regularly. But but it is it's like the, the Facebook group that we set up. The, the, this is a way of getting people around your activity to talk about it. And again, I'm just, again, scrolling through my feed as you're talking here. I'm looking at pictures and you're talking. One thing I follow is a bookstore in, in London called Photo Bookstore. And they publish a number of pictures every day of the new photo books they have. And I always find this interesting because I discover photographers that I don't know. And I've bought a couple of books after seeing photos from them. The Aperture Foundation, there's a bunch of pictures from them. So there's an awful lot that you can do if you're interested in photography as photography, as I am, as photography as an art, and you want to learn more. Or if you just want to look at what other people are doing to give you ideas for things to shoot. For instance, I've talked about shooting macro photography in the past, shooting flowers in the garden. It's, it's very enjoyable for me and for a lot of people to do this. And if you want to see what other people have done, just check out macro photography hashtags and you'll see tons of photos. This will give you ideas for how you can shoot for the types of flowers and lighting that you can get. It's really a way of seeing thousands and thousands of photos that can help inspire you or that can help you simply look at them to say, well, okay, what does someone like about this photo? What do I not understand? Here's a famous photographer, the real Peter Lindbergh. As you look at some of his photos, you may not like them, but some of his photos are are truly stunning. And, and I think it's a good way to see what's being done in photography. If you follow the kind of accounts that, again, are sort of curated accounts that are going to show a variety of photographers, and, and even, as I said, some camera brands, Leica in particular is always posting photos of often well-known photographers who use Leicas. So it's worth following just to see what kind of photos you can see. 
I think you've hit on probably the most important aspect of Instagram. As we say, and a lot of other people say, you want to become a better photographer, you need to look at more photos. And one way to do that, of course, is to buy photo books, go to museums, like all of these great in-person photo experiences. But Instagram is great because you can expose yourself to literally hundreds and thousands of photos and see what people are doing. See what trends are happening that you want to try out. Actually, forget about that because Instagram is a social network. And so you think of it as, what are my friends up to? But if you also remember that this is a way to feed your brain all those images, it's easy, it's free, it's right there. So let's just talk briefly about posting on Instagram. Early on, you could only post square photos. And that's why when you look at profiles, you see the squares. That changed over the years. And you can post a photo that's not square, but you need to do a little thing. You need to... So if you do it on your iPhone, you click the plus button at the bottom of the window and you select a photo from your photo library. And then you have to kind of scroll up in that photo to find the little arrow at the bottom left, which expands it to the width. So you'll have, if you have a standard landscape format photo, you'll get the whole photo instead of it being automatically cropped by Instagram itself. I should also point out, if you have a portrait orientation and you do that, it will still crop it which is infuriating. And so you can adjust the, the positioning a little bit, but portraits do get cropped a little. And what a lot of people do is they'll take their portraits and they'll, in any photo editing app, they'll make the canvas square around the portrait, putting white around them to make sure that they don't get cropped. So if you do that, either for a portrait or a landscape mode photo, you can be sure it won't get cropped. It'll be easier. Now, I said that I use Instagram on my Mac because one of the problems of the iPhone is that the display is relatively small, and so you can't really see much detail on the photos, whereas in, in a web browser on a Mac, you can. But if you look at the web browser interface, there's no way to post a photo to Instagram, or is there? I'll put a link in the show notes showing a secret trick using Safari, and I don't you think you can do this with other web browsers, where basically what you do is you, you turn on what's called develop mode in Safari, and there's a menu command that you can access that tells the website that you are an iPhone. And therefore, the interface changes. It's the same interface as it would be on an iPhone, except bigger, of course, because the size of the window. And then you can post to Instagram from a Mac. Mm. And I find that a lot easier when I've processed photos on my Mac and edited them. And I say, okay, I'm going to post four photos. Do I really want to go back to my iPhone and have to do that when I'm on my Mac already? Because originally, Instagram was meant to be an instant photography thing. You'd shoot a picture with their app, put a filter on it, because that's what everyone does, and then you'd upload it. So I find it easy to do this in Safari. It's a simple trick. It's not that complicated. You'll read my article and, and you'll understand it. If you're on Windows, I don't really know how you can do that. But of course, this is a podcast about photography in the Apple ecosystem. So, you know, we can't tell you everything. I have one more question before we before we start wrapping up. Do you use uh, Instagram stories? Uh, no, I don't. That's evil. That, that's totally evil. <laughs> That that's like video things. I, I accidentally tap on someone's avatar and I don't realize it's that little ring around it, which means that they've been roped into telling a story. I don't even know what a story is. And things start moving <laughs> around and it fills the screen and I just run away. I have to admit, and this is going to make me sound like Mr. Old Man Photographer here, but I don't quite get the mechanics of making stories because you add a photo to your story and then it's just posted. And if you want to add more to it, you, then you have to like take another photo and add to the story. Like 
the interface for creating stories is terrible. However, I bring it up because a lot of people do it. A lot of people use them. And if you're not familiar, uh, a story can be like a, a little video that you shoot and you can, you know, put text over the top of it or emojis or whatever, or you can uh, gang up several videos or photos together. I like the idea and they're really, really popular, but I haven't quite gotten over that hump of this is just difficult enough that I don't want to like waste time trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I, I've not even bothered either. Um, I know Facebook also has stories, and I ignore them on Facebook, too. Right, right. Well, and because uh, we should probably point out, it, uh, Facebook owns Instagram. So, right. um, you know, like, it, it's all tied. I, I would love to hear from our listeners uh, in our Facebook group if they use Instagram stories, if they use uh, Instagram at all. Just one last account to mention before we move on. Apple, they have an account of iPhone photos, and it's nothing but iPhone photos. And the, the hashtag is shot on iPhone so if you've taken nice iPhone photos, put that hashtag, maybe Apple will feature you. And if you want to see what people can do with an iPhone, this is a really good example. There's some wonderful photos. There really are. Okay, let's move on. It's time for our snapshots. Jeff, what have you got this week? So I've been testing something for an article that will appear in DP Review. It's called the Palette System. And what it is, is a collection of hardware controls so actual dials and buttons and sliders. And you connect these together. Um, they're individual little modules. Uh, they connect with a, a magnetic connection and then connect to your computer via USB. And what this does is you can assign photo editing or video editing controls to these sliders. So let's say you're editing a photo or let's say you have to edit a ton of photos and you're using maybe four or five controls every time, brightness, shadows, clarity. For some people, it's easier to manipulate these actual physical knobs rather than doing it all by the keyboard. It's very cool. If my article for DP Review is up by the time the this podcast goes up, we'll put a link in the show notes. Does it work with Apple Photos? It works with any app, sort of. Well, you're going to have to test it for me because I would... I would be interested in that if it does work with Apple Photos. I don't think it works natively with Apple Photos. I was testing it with, with Lightroom and, and Photoshop because it's definitely designed for those because they have plugins that, that they can use to make it work with, with Lightroom Classic and Photoshop. There's a limited ability to uh, be able to like uh, set uh, menu items that can be accessed with a, with a button press. So short version, I think no. Long version, maybe. But longer version, you'll get back to me. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Kirk? What, what about you this week? Well, this week, my snapshot is a macro lens. And I don't want to talk about a specific macro lens. I just bought a 60 millimeter Fuji macro lens. The idea is, as I mentioned earlier, I like to take macro photos of flowers and things. And for me, a macro lens is one of those things that lets you take photos of just about anything. It doesn't have to be flowers in a garden. It could be kitchen utensils. It could be marbles or pieces on a chessboard or anything. And it's a really good way to look into small things and look at things that you're not used to seeing the way you see them normally. I think it's a great tool to have for a photographer who wants to change what they shoot. Either maybe you already like taking flower photos, in which case you probably have one, but if not, it, it gives you 
a, a new type of photography. Instead of a wide angle or a telephoto where you're looking far away, this makes you look really close to yourself. And using a macro lens isn't that easy. You, you'll learn how to use a tripod. You'll learn how to use lighting, particularly... I've done some photos of flowers inside the windows of our conservatory where there's good light and using a reflector. And it, it's a very good way to discover some of the subtleties of light, some of the subtleties of depth of field, because when you're shooting a flower, you want the background to be blurred. Whatever camera brand you have, you can get a macro lens. They're more or less expensive. I got a cheap one, the 60 millimeter. Fuji also makes, I think, an 80 millimeter that's about twice as expensive as this. But a macro lens is just... For me, it's one of those lenses that most people should have in their kits. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in the show, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or in Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review on iTunes or in your podcast app. Don't forget that you can get 30% off any purchase at Take Control Books with the coupon code PHOTOACTIVE. Go to TakeControlBooks.com slash PHOTOACTIVE. That's PHOTOACTIVE in one word, and you'll get the discount automatically. Until next week, thanks again for listening.